Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to AMR Answers. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. And this is Dimity McDowell. I am joined by Sarah. Sarah, what's going on with your voice? So the older I get, the more my illness, Achilles heel, is getting laryngitis. And uh, illnesses and kill say that again. <laughs> so that so that when I was when I was a kid, whenever I got sick, I'd get 104 temperature. Like that was my go-to. When I got sick, I got 104 temperature, not 103, 104. And so as an adult, I've found that when I get sick, I get laryngitis. Oh, shoot. So are yeah. you sick in addition to having a croaky voice? I like You know, I'm not I mean, I just got back from playing pickleball. I I I've I feel pretty fine. I mean, I can I can cough with the best of them first thing in the morning. But uh-huh. um, yeah, no, I, I feel pretty good. And I um, went covered four miles by walking and more running than walking on Saturday. So no, I think I'm I think I'm doing pretty fine. But just it's just uh, your voice. Mm-hmm. It's just it's yes. super sexy. So awesome. <laughs> so and uh, yes, and thank you for moving this recording. Because as I told you and our producer, Barry, my family told me on Friday, I sounded like Patty and Selma. Marge Simpson's twin sisters. So, <laughs> well, hey, maybe we can get you a voiceover deal. You know, <laughs> right, right. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And you know, my um, sore throat did not prevent me from playing pickleball really well on Wednesday night on the final of the six-week league that I'm playing in. Dimity it was the final tournament. Yeah, how'd you yeah. do? Yeah, I am the winner among losers, Dimity. That is. <laughs> Should we trademark that? I'm the winner among losers. <laughs> yes, yes. Because so in this league, there's 16 of us. We just get randomly paired up with someone because we always play doubles. You just put down your score at the end. And so after five weeks, the head of the thing tallies to see who scored, which player scored the most points and which eight. So those eight were in kind of the winner's bracket. And then me plus seven of my buddies were in the losers bracket. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and so and and I even did a little side hustle on the way in. I ran into my buddy Teresa and I told her this was her second go round of it with this six week thing. And I said, Oh, I think you're gonna be in the top eight. And she's like, Nope. I'm like, Oh, I bet you five bucks you're in the top eight. She's like, Okay, and we shook on it. And then she turns to me and she goes, Well, I think you're gonna be in the top eight. I'm like, Nope, I'm gonna be in the bottom eight. So we shook on that and uh, we were both in the bottom eight. So, oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, anyway, so then, but I think I was the only one who realized how important it is that then everything is down to just that night's playing. 
And so it was really important not only to win each game, but to keep your opponent's score low as best you could, because then it means that those opponents are not scoring, you know, points. Like if, if so we only play to 11, there's no tiebreaker like there usually is in pickleball. And so that, you know, you don't want to win 11-10 because then you've really only won, quote, one point over that person, sure, over sure. those two people. So anyway, so I I figured that out. Turns out, I guess nobody else did because <laughs> I when I would pair up with people, I'm like, okay, I want to win and I want to win big. And so our eight finished playing before the other eight did. So I was like, oh, let's add up. Let's add up. So I sat there and I love adding small numbers in my head. Sure. So everyone stood around me. I'm like, look, you can double check me, everything. So I'm doing it out loud. First of all, everybody was so impressed that I could do the math in my head. It was so funny. (laughs) 11 plus 2 plus 4 plus 7. I know. It was not big numbers. We were not multiplying. I was not dividing. Nothing. Yeah. And so anyway, so I had a total of 71 points. A woman named Jeannie had 70, and everybody else was kind of in the 60 and under range. Wow, so, nice. So, way, to yeah. be the, way to be the winner among losers. Very yeah. proud of you. Yes, thank you, thank you. And so, and then the t- there were, uh, there was a t- then I did the math for the other group as well. And so those, there were two women who tied and they both had 71. So I felt kind of good that my high score was also the, the winners among winners high scores. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. So and I can tell that Banjo is super proud of me. Ban- too. Banjo is very he's like, wow, wow. Can I maybe he's going to howl 71 times. So just wait for it. All right. Through this whole podcast. Yes. Yeah, so, so so anyway, so it was fun. I got uh, the woman who organizes it, Carol. She gave me a medal, a little silver medal. And then the two winners got gold medals. They were not real uh, gold or silver. <laughs> and, uh, and I brought tubes of noon and goose troop waffles for everybody so a little swag so it was very fun and i'd forgotten oh, how good. much i like getting a medal it was very i was very <laughs> excited i wore it home on the drive home so uh, very nice <laughs> if you would have gotten stopped by a cop you could have been like um i just want a medal sir i'm like you know don't don't rain on my parade <laughs> yes i am the winner among pickleball losers so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's very exciting so the next six weeks we have a this is a bye week we don't play and then uh, we start again next week. So All right. So you're back yeah. in. You're back in. Back in. Yes. Sweet. Yes. All right. Well, let's hop on to the questions. we got Teresa, who is concerned about cramping. Hi, my name is Teresa, and I'm calling from Easton, Massachusetts. I just finished one of my runs. And while on my run, I was wondering um, about cramps and cramping while you're running. I always try to fuel while I'm running. And I always tend to get cramps, especially as I fuel based on what you've been talking about and fueling correctly. And I'm wondering, I guess, will my body ever get used to it and stop with the cramping or does the cramping ever go away or do I just have to fuel differently? Um, Love listening to the podcast. Thank you very much for everything you do and hope to hear your answers. So this question intrigued me because I'd never actually heard a runner complain about getting a cramp after fueling. You know, sure, you get people who are like, I always get a side stitch based on breathing or, you know, I mean, how many of us remember as kids, I used to always get a side stitch when I'd run, but never cramps that seem fuel related. Had you heard of that complaint before, Dim? 
I'm just curious. Do you get a side stitch and a 104 fever, Sarah? Or just, <laughs> no, no, just, I don't. Just a side stitch. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Side stitch with a side of laryngitis. All right. Yeah. yeah, no, I haven't heard of that either. That was an interesting question from Teresa. And I think we can definitely give her some suggestions to solve it. And if that doesn't help, then I would say, you know, maybe it's something that she needs to maybe take to a doctor just because it's, I don't want to minimize it, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I was wondering whether it's because Teresa is fueling but neglecting to drink fluid along with her goo or whatever it is she's fueling with on the run. Because, yes, it's very important to take in calories to replace the ones that you're burning out there on your workout. But you also have to take it with a fluid, whether that's water or noon or whatever it is. Because otherwise, then it is really tough on your stomach to take in those calories without uh, Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, that was definitely the first thought I had is are you, she sounds like she's doing it, which is great. Mm-hmm. But make sure that you, you know, you got to wash it down with just water, especially mm-hmm. if she's got cramping problems. I know we love noon, but like, I don't know. I mean, it's like chasing a shot with a beer, you know, like it's almost <laughs> too much of a good thing, you know, <laughs> if, if she's cramp prone, right? There are definitely times where I've used yeah. noon after a, a goo for sure. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, too, is that she says that she's doing it every run. And so maybe it's time to like, I just want to kind of back up a tiny bit and just talk mm-hmm. a little bit about like best practices for fueling. Mm-hmm. And I hate the word. I hate the verb fueling. I hate the verb fuel. Like, I just <laughs> wish that there was another like, it feels so ingesting calories, ingesting calories. But I mean, I just feel like eat. I mean, you eat on the run. I guess it's eating, but it is it's different than eating. Like I think of eating and sitting at a table. So anyway, (laughs) we'll just go with fuel. But just know that I kind of like, you know, throw my mouth a little bit when I say it. (laughs) So definitely like before the run, you're going to want to have something. You can have a blend of like carbs and a little bit of protein, you know, like you could have and a little bit of fat. So you could have like an English muffin, um, half an English muffin with like banana and peanut butter on it. You could have Mm -hmm. peanut butter and banana. That's what I had this morning before my workout. Mm -hmm. You know, some graham crackers, some applesauce, just something that's kind of easily digested. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, unless you're going for a run that's like longer than 75 minutes, you don't really need to eat any more than that. Mm -hmm. And so if she's out on a 30 minute run, like, I love that she's paying attention, but we probably don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. And if you are on a run that's about 75 minutes or so or, or 90 minutes, you need to think about having one to 200 calories or well, we say one to 200 calories an hour. It's more like 150 to 250, depending upon yourself. I mean, it's it's easy to say 100 because a goo is about 100 calories. <laughs> so it's like, okay, one goo and that should be okay. You know, if it's a 75 minute run, but if you're going out for Three hours, you're going to need to really think about like 200 calories an hour mm-hmm. and having mm-hmm. two on the run. And again, you know, you want to have your goo. And if you can't, the, the other thing that I was thinking about that she could do, and I don't know if this would stop the cramping or not, but I would walk, as Sarah, we know, like, you know, mm-hmm. like you like to do, right? <laughs> walk while you take your goo, you know, mm-hmm. walk, take your goo and then sip on your water and then go again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I yeah, would do. Yeah, 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 because maybe there's just too many things going on. Your blood doesn't know where to, to go to, to, to. Should I go to the muscles? Should I go to the stomach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so kind of um, slow things down a little bit. Yeah, and then also, Teresa, check the ingredients of what you're using as fuel. You know, Dimity and I keep saying goo, which is exactly engineered to be what you can take in on a run, what your hardworking body needs, but that maybe you're using a different product or maybe you have some little homemade energy balls that you made yourself. And because you want it to be carbohydrates that your body can use quickly, 
And if there's protein in the mix, that can slow digestion down. And that might be the cramp culprit that we can point to. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, good luck with that. I hope that helps a little bit. And yeah, I mean, the other thing I was thinking, just as you were saying that, is trying different things, right? So if she has Mm -hmm. only tried goose, you know, maybe that just isn't the right consistency for Mm -hmm. her. Maybe she needs to do something like, you know, a chomps or, you know, some kind of homemade thing that is like more gummy kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, we'll return with more questions and answers after this quick break. Stay with us. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, Maureen wonders how swimming endurance translates to land and vice versa. Hi, this is Maureen from Chicago. I met you ladies at the Run Show last summer in Chicago when I was looking for a little nudge to become a swimmer. And I'm very happy to say that your encouragement made a difference. I started swimming in June, and it's been like a really fun addition to my uh, fitness routine. So thank you very much for that. And I'm calling actually with a question about swimming. So there obviously are lots of people who are, you know, great runners, great cyclists, and also amazing swimmers, but it seems to me like fitness and cardiovascular strength outside of the pool does not necessarily translate into fitness in the pool and vice versa. You know, I know plenty of people that can bang out a 5K with no problem and then get in the pool and can barely swim 25 yards, myself included, when I started. And there are also lots of people who can swim and swim and swim and swim, and then, you know, if they're asked to run a mile, they struggle to finish that. So just curious if you have witnessed this yourselves and if you have any theories about why that may be the case. Is it just different parts of your lung capacity? Is it the breathing? Is it, you know, sort of the need to be really efficient in the water? Just curious what your perspective is on that. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, Maureen, we are so pleased that something we told you at the run show made an impact on you. <laughs> I definitely, I, that's very cool. Yeah, I, I love that when we're like, okay, go try it. And you're like, am I saying this to, you know, she's just nodding her head to be polite or is she actually going to try it? So I know, I know, I know. All right. So I think part of the issue is that swimming is skill-based so that that coordination of movement to propel you forwards needs to be honed. Otherwise, you are putting in a lot of energy trying to get from one end of the pool to the other. And thus, you're expending way more energy than you really need to. And we've all seen it when we've been in a pool. You see somebody who just seems like they need the lifeguard's attention, and it's just that they really haven't kind of got that streamlined, efficient stroke. And so that, you know, makes makes you be way more tired. And then also, I really, really think it is partly due to the fact your face is in the water, so you can't pant like you might on land. <laughs> that is always my thing. It's like, you know. like, <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. No, but you have to regulate your breathing. I mean, they're two, they're just two very different sports. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the thing, you know, and like mm-hmm. they don't translate. They just don't. I mean, yes, you probably are. If you become a good swimmer and you're a good runner, your cardiovascular endurance probably helps. I mean, it definitely does. Like, you know, mm-hmm. triathletes, like, like you can build fitness in the pool mm-hmm. for running in the bike, but you've got to be a good swimmer to be able to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So you've mm-hmm. got to be able to 
push yourself on the, you know, push yourself on harder sets. You need to be able to regulate your breathing. You need to have good enough form so that you're not just burning calories and churning through the water. Mm-hmm. But then the, the flip side is, is that you're fully supported by the water. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's no impact on your body. Mm-hmm. Where running is complete 100% high impact, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. And so they're just, again, like, I mean, I remember it, it brought this question brought me back to a time um, a long time ago. Long, long time ago <laughs> when we lived in Colorado Springs and I did um, back Carmichael Training Systems had like a cycling class, right, yeah. that mm-hmm. I went to. I mean, this is when Grey's Anatomy was really new. And so I remember being like, OK, I just have to get this workout and then I'll get home and I can have like a bowl of ice cream and watch Grey's Anatomy. And I was so <laughs> excited, you know, <laughs> like that was like my nugget getting me through the hard intervals. <laughs> So that's the because that gives you a little timestamp. I don't even know what that is. You know, season one, two, maybe. Right, right. But I remember, and then and then we would go run in um, the Garden of the Gods, which is this mm-hmm. amazing park. Mm-hmm. It's it's hilly and it's hard, and you know, but it's also a it's a really great workout. And I there were a couple people that overlapped in both groups, and I was just like, God, when is the cycling going to translate to the running? And mm-hmm. one of the one of the, the guy that one of the guys that overlapped was like. It's there, but it's it's going to take some time to get mm-hmm. used to running. So that's kind of what I mean. Like, it's like, yes, they're all kind of Venn diagrams that have some <laughs> overlap. But like, as you get better at each sport, like then the, the benefits come through the other sport, if that makes sense. Does that make mm. sense? It does make sense. It does make sense. And I was really interested to hear you explain how the endurance and strength on land, you know, takes a while to translate to the pool because it's a situation that I have been living as I return to running. So, you know, I, I love swimming and I've been doing a ton of it. Thankfully, my bulging disc allowed me to swim for almost my whole time of my injury. So, you know, I can swim 2,000 yards nonstop and I can, I can do intervals in the pool. And but boy, when I started adding in runs to my walks last month, I was huffing and puffing like crazy f- for, you know, I don't know, running half that distance that I was able to swim. And yeah. so I was like, okay, I got to do something. This is like code red. I got to I gotta build my endurance back up. So I did start incorporating a lot more sprints into my swim workouts in the hopes they will rebuild my endurance. And I'm not sure it's the reason, but I've stopped feeling so dang winded when I run. I, so. I mean, it may, it may give you a little slice of confidence. It's also that you've probably been running more, yes, right? Most I mean, that's the thing. So, you know, it's, it's specificity of training. So you're going to be get mm-hmm. better at mm-hmm. running mm-hmm. the more you run, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, it, because you're a, a proficient swimmer, it's a nice place to land and keep your, keep your fitness going, but mm-hmm. it's not going to necessarily make you a faster runner or a better runner. Mm-hmm. Well, I was really intrigued with this question. So I, I admit, Maureen, that I kind of threw it in so I could get to hear what Dimity said about it. So yeah, well, it's, I mean, <laughs> and you can see it too, like with like the, you know, high school run, like Amelia used to, used to be a really good swimmer. I mean, she's still a good swimmer, but she, when she was in really good shape, I mean, she could, fly through the pool. It wouldn't, didn't look like she was flying, but she was actually flying <laughs> at a very slow stroke rate. But, you know, put her on land to run a mile. Her body wasn't built to do that or wasn't mm-hmm. trained to do that, I should say, you know, mm-hmm. so it's definitely mm-hmm. it just doesn't it doesn't. Yeah. 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 Specificity of sport. I like it. I like specificity it. of sport. There you go. Yes. I wrote that down and I really had to I struggled on spelling specificity. Specificity. <laughs> it's <laughs> tough to one. say. It's tough to spell. Um, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, this is Nicole looking for kid friendly summer vacation destinations. Hey, Sarah and Dimity. This is Nicole from Beaverton, Oregon. I have a question. Now that we are in the swing of winter, I am already starting to dream about a summer trip. 
I was looking for your suggestions on where might be a good place to travel in the summer with a will-be seven and will-be four-year-old. We're pretty adventurous, so anything goes from resorts to high-level activities. We haven't really traveled too much and looking to get out there. Thanks so much. I'd love to hear your well-traveled, kid-friendly suggestions. Thanks so much for the show, ladies. I love listening multiple times a week. Thank you. So, Nicole, hello from over the hills, and thank you so much for listening to both our shows every week. Dimity, I thought this was such a fun question. Oh, my gosh. I love it. I love it. Where is she calling from again, though? She's calling from Beaverton, which is where um, Nike's headquartered, and it's just over the hills from Portland. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. 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 So, so putting that in context as to where she is so that, you know, visualize her on a map, and now we can make some suggestions for where she might want to go. Because I'm thinking, I, I say let's first suggest some road trips, you know, places you can drive to. I mean, theoretically, you could drive anywhere in, within the continental United States. But I figured, you know, let's, those kids are going to get a little bored. Seven I was and about four to say, you, theoretically, you could, but theoretically, with a seven and four year old, you're asking for <laughs> oh <my laughs> lots gosh. of stops. Oh, still, I mean, my son John is 17. And he still can't stand a long drive. So I just think that there is a lot to be said about our national parks. There's a reason they are preserved and treasured. Just amazing places. And we got a lot of options out here out west. I got the chance to go to Glacier National Park last summer. So amazing. I was only there for, I don't know, two nights. And, and there's so much more to do there. So much more to see. And I one thing I especially loved about Glacier is because it is near a town. I think mm-hmm. that's White Salmon. Is that? I think that's what it's called. Uh, not White Salmon. White uh. Mm, Whitefish. Whitefish. White Thank you. <laughs> I was just, I was White had too salmon. much specificity in the type of fish I was talking about. <laughs> that's the best. That's the best. Um, so, yeah, so I, uh, being a little bit more of a city slicker, I loved being able to hike during the day and then go have, you know, an amazing Italian dinner at a lovely restaurant and be able to stroll around town. Oh, and so, they have good ice cream and whitefish too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Now we're talking. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so we went to so definitely I would I would echo a national park idea. I think it's great for that age kid because mm-hmm. you can definitely um you know stay on the beaten path, but you could also, you know, depending upon if they like to hike a little bit, you know, there are definitely some like one, two, three mile hikes, you know, you can pack a picnic and go out mm-hmm. and see the world. They also have like young ranger programs where you get to oh, yeah. if your kids yeah. are like Kids like to fill out booklets and stuff and then mm-hmm. like get their badge. Mm-hmm. My kids did that back in the day. So we did a road trip once back from from Portland. So mm-hmm. near you, we stopped in Seattle, which you probably wouldn't want to do if you lived in Bend. Uh, Beaverton. Yeah, Beaverton. She lives in oh, Beaverton. Beaverton. I'm sorry. Beaverton. Mm-hmm. And then we went through um, Yellowstone, which is really great. And it's really big. Mm-hmm. So um, – so, yeah, so we went to Yellowstone, which was great. They have cabins in the camp, which is really nice. I w- I'm not much of a camper. If you are like to pitch a tent, then you can definitely do that as well. <laughs> but they had, you know, clean enough, nice enough cabins that you mm-hmm. could use. And then they have different sides of the, like there's, I, I don't know Yellowstone well enough, but to say that there's like, you know, there's one part that has a lake. And then if you drive like almost, you know, a couple hours, you're. St- I think it's uh, Yellowstone West and East, maybe. Might be. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then near there also is Grand Teton, um, mm-hmm. which is you can all that's a little bit more aggressive, I would say, as far as a national park goes. But it's mm-hmm. also it's fun to see. I mean, driving by there, I was just like, oh, my gosh, I want to come back and spend some time there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I think national parks are really good. Yeah, I did Glacier as well. Yosemite. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just it's kind of like and people who like Disney World will probably not agree with me. But <laughs> I kind of feel like a national park is it's kind of like that, like that idea. Right. Except for minus the rides and stuff, you know, but there's lots of activities to do and like lots of places mm-hmm. to stop and see things. And, you know, mm-hmm. and they have different exhibits and stuff like in Yellowstone, you know, you they have different places where you can go and hear about Old Faithful and just, I don't know, I just feel like there's a lot to do. So that would be my first choice. But the other thing that I would say, too, is that like sometimes traveling with kids is really, I know I get exhausted, like being like, okay, now we're moving again. Now we're moving again. So Mm -hmm, we're going to spend two nights mm -hmm. here and then we're going to spend two nights here. And Mm -hmm. oh, I forgot my pillow there. I got to go back. You know, like Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. not as relaxing as a vacation. So if you wanted to go to one spot, Mm -hmm. I I think like going to a beach personally (laughs) is a good... (laughs) Is a good call, you know? Um, I mean, going uh-huh. down to Mexico or going down to Cabo or, you know, kind of having like a home base and then being able to go out and do things. Mm. I don't know. I, I like, especially with younger kids, I just like home base. And then they kind of get used to their beds and like nap time mm. and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at you thinking a four-year-old and a seven-year-old might nap. I love the optimism. Well, I, uh. yeah, you know, quiet time, quiet time. <laughs> yeah, quiet time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and as I alluded to that when I mentioned white fish, that uh, I'm more of a city slicker. So I would highly recommend San Francisco. You can make it in one day if you um, really put the pedal to the metal from Portland. And so my family loved going there when our kids were younger, and they still love going there. And there is so much to do there, so much to see. And they're really kind of relaxed things, a lot of them. So, I mean, like there's an amazing children's playground in Golden Gate Park. And so, yes, you can go see the um, Conservatory Flowers, which is like the most massive indoor hothouse. It's, you know, like the world's biggest terrarium. And you can go in there and there's all sorts of, you know, exotic plants and things like that. And when we went there, there was a butterfly exhibit. And so that was just kind of something we happened upon. But so you go there, you know, let's say your kids get bored with looking at stuff like that. Well, you go, you then go outside, walk 10 minutes, and you're at this amazing playground. I mean, my kids just love that playground. And there's the beach there, you know, at the one side of San Francisco is all a beach and you ride cable cars. And there's art museum. If your kids were into that, there's a children's museum at the Exploratorium. So it's just there's a lot of diversity and that then you can get the staying in one place. So Yeah, anyway. yeah, definitely. That sounds yeah. good. I it sounds I'm ready for a vacation. <laughs> I'll, I'll go on any of those places. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Well, Dimity, as you often say, these were such good questions. And we are in dire need of questions, people. Dire need. Please. Don't don't make it. us ask each other questions. Because, <laughs> right. you know, I'll be like, um, Sarah, yeah. how was your pickleball game? Oh, I guess we had that. <laughs> yeah, we covered that topic already. Yeah. So, all right. So, please call in with your questions. The number is 470-BADASS-1. That translates to 470-223-2771. Please leave your first name and where you're calling from. And keep your message to a minute or less. And that number's in our show notes, so you don't need to memorize it. And we are starting the Love the Run Spring 2023 
on February 27th, which is this Monday, if you're date challenged like I am. <laughs> we're going, actually, we're going on a virtual road, a road trip. trip. That was yes. a great segue. We are, we're going traveling virtually from Loveland, Colorado to Loveland, Ohio. And we've got some special math. Every minute of movement is one mile on the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. how awesome is that? You can cover, mm-hmm. you know, 60 miles in 60 minutes. <laughs> that's that's the kind of math that you need when you're on a road trip with a four and a seven-year-old. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's a great 10-week program. Of, of course, just like all the other ones, we've got really engaging workouts, but we really want to make it really inclusive. So it is just minutes of movement and you can pick, you can go 30, 45, or 60 minutes Six days of the week is basically what we're looking for, minutes of movement. And super cute tank, super cute bumper sticker, and of course, all the swag that we love so much, including right sock socks and a tube of noon and some goo stuff and sweat X. And yeah, so check it out at another mother runner backslash love the run. And again, we start Monday and dude, the bus is loading up. You don't want to miss it. <laughs> All right. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medore from Fire on the Bluff. Keep those questions coming. We are here with answers and some white salmon or pork or I don't know what we're here with anymore. <laughs> But uh, I, I kind of feel like a national pork, a national pork. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, having that kind of Monday. Um, 